0: podcast, a place where your hosts Wendy and April discuss the creepy things that lurk in the misty shadows of the Appalachian Hills. I am as always, the mysterious voice in the walls.
1: Hey everybody, I'm Wendy and I'm April.
2: This next story comes from a small town by the name of Flatwoods in Braxton County, West Virginia. On September 12th, 1952, 13 and 12, 1952, 13- and 12-year-old brothers Ed and Freddie May were playing on the Flatwood School Playground with their 10-year-old friend Tommy Heyer. Just as it was getting dark out, they saw a pulsing red light dart across the sky and appear to crash on the nearby farm of G. Bailey Fisher. The boys ran to the May home to tell their mother Kathleen what they had witnessed. Kathleen called 17-year-old family friend Jean Lemon, who was a National Guard member, to go with her to investigate. Kathleen, Jean, the boys, and the family dog climbed up the hill to investigate where the red streak had landed. When they reached the top of the hill, they were shocked by what they saw. There was a pulsing red light in the distance, the entire area was covered with a thick mist, and the air had a burnt, chemical like smell to it. Jean looked up and saw what appeared to be two glowing eyes looking back at him from the trees. This startled him so much that he screamed and fell backwards, allowing him to get a better look at the creature before him. It was around 10 foot tall and appeared to be hovering rather than standing on the ground. Its head was shaped like a spade and it appeared to be wearing a metal dress or suit of some sort. The creature's skin was blood red and its face was green and glowing. It appeared to have twisted claws at the end of skinny arms, although some features were obscured by the mist. The creature hissed at them and began gliding towards them. The family dog had already tucked tail and ran, and now the rest of the party decided to quickly flee the scene, as what they had seen had filled them with absolute terror. When they arrived back home, Kathleen and Jean contacted authorities and local news outlets. Local police investigated the site, but were unable to find any signs of a crash or a monster, although a local reporter also returned to the site after speaking with the eyewitnesses. This reporter claimed that there was a sickening, burnt, metallic odor still prevailing at the site. After the encounter, several of the witnesses suffered from a sore throat, vomiting, and nausea that persisted for days. These side effects were written off as a result of hysteria. The story quickly made the local news, spreading fear and panic among the townspeople. A local newspaper reporter, armed with a shotgun, went up the hill to see things for himself. He believed that something had happened, stating that people don't make up that kind of story that quickly. The state police had a different reaction to the story, however. They laughed the reports off as hysteria and claimed that the details of the sighting became more outrageous as time went on. The story eventually made its way to national radio and all of the major papers. Mrs. May and Lemon even made a trip to New York to speak to CBS about the experience. Once the story made the national news, it prompted a UFO inquiry from the United States Air Force and became part of a project known as Project Blue Book. There were two similar sightings reported in the area. Before the Fisher Farm sighting, Mrs. Audra Harper from the Heaters claimed to see the monster while walking, taking a shortcut through the woods near her home. She was walking with a friend and noticed a ball of fire up on one of the hills. She didn't think much of it until she looked back and the fire had vanished. In its place stood the silhouette of a man-shaped figure. Harper and her friend were scared and ran to escape. The day after the Flatwoods incident, there was an occurrence in Strange Creek, a town about 20 miles away from Flatwoods. George and Edith Snitowski were driving in a rural area when their car died without explanation. It was dark out, the road was deserted, and Mr. Snetowski attempted to start the car with no success. While Mr. Snetowski was trying to decide what to do, the car became filled with a foul, sulfurous odor, and the couple's 18-month-old son, who had been sleeping in the back seat, began to cry. The couple saw a bright light, along with a 10-foot-tall creature hovering in front of their car. The description was very similar to the flatwood siding, however, the creature was not wearing a hood. Instead, the monster's head was described as reptilian and bony. The creature was said to drag its lizard-like hand across the car and then drift into the woods. Once the creature was gone, Mr. Snitowski was able to start his car. In 1955, Snetowski was interviewed by Mail Magazine, where he provided details of his family's experience that night. One reason this story was able to gain momentum was because 1952 was a time when Americans were already on high alert. We were in the middle of the Cold War, and the Soviet Union had successfully tested an atomic bomb three years earlier. There were talk of attacks, and the American Air Force was scanning the sky for potential bombers. Life magazine, one of the most popular publications at the time, had just run a story on flying saucers. All of these things could have influenced the witnesses, whether they realized it or not. Listeners, you can learn more about the first-hand accounts involved in this story by visiting the Flatwoods Monster Museum, located on Main Street in downtown Sutton. They have artifacts, memorabilia, and historic items on display. You can pick up a souvenir, and admission is free. They are open Monday through Friday from 9 to 5, and weekends from 10 to 4.
1: Time for the breakdown. Well, uh, as you know, I so badly want to believe in UFOs. I so badly want to believe in aliens. Ghosts, I can give or take. But I really, really want to believe in aliens. So, what do we think about this?
2: I think it was interesting that they talked about how um, the UFO hysteria and the time period and Time Magazine and all of these stories and things that had come out. And the question that I had was, how many 10- to 13-year-old boys pay attention to news stories and, and or pick up Time Magazine and read the articles? Like, I'm a total nerd, so I would pick up Time Magazine <laughs> and <laughs> read too. the articles at that age. But how many 10- to 13-year-old boys did? So Because I, I, I thought it was interesting they were saying, that oh, well, they were influenced by all of this stuff that was going on at the time. And I just wanted to be like, well, you know, how aware do we think they were of that?
1: That's a good question. It's 1952. We're in rural West Virginia. What's going on in 1952 rural West Virginia? Um, do we have television? Do we have? I don't know. So maybe that's the only choice they had were these Life magazine articles. I was going to say
0: print is probably newspapers and magazines, possibly. But TV, I don't yeah, know.
1: So, so yeah. Maybe that's all they had was to to read the articles. And they had no choice but to be hit in the face with these articles about UFOs. I don't know, but I'm like you. Um, My nerdiness would come out and I'd be all about it. I'd have to read those articles. Uh, not only that, but they're probably seeing on the news, you know, we're in uh, a few years into a Cold War. And so the, everything's heightened with that. Um, an atomic bomb had just been tested a few years earlier by the Soviet Union. Everybody's kind of heightened because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think all of that kind of led to some hysteria too so I think everybody's on alert and they're watching the skies and that probably helped with this as well one of the things mentioned in the story was Project Blue Book after um, Mrs. May and Lemon went and talked to the national news and the investigation took place this was actually put into Project Blue Book and after I looked at that Of course, you know, me and my rabbit holes, I had to go down and follow this, and I got deep into this one. So, apparently, and I got all of this from the Air Force military, they have a fact sheet online. So, I got through this and found some information. So, there was a project called Project Blue Book, and it is now declassified. And it was constructed by the United States Air Force between 1947 and 1969. Um, It was headquartered at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Ohio. And the purpose of this project was to investigate uh, UFO sightings during this time period. And the Flatwoods Monster was one of the sightings that they were sent out to investigate. Um, 12,618 sightings were reported to the project. And out of all of those, 701 of those remain unidentified. So, here were some of the conclusions that came from the Project Blue Book. No UFOs investigated indicated threat to our national security. So, out of all of them they investigated, none of them were seen as a threat to our national security. None of the sightings that they investigated uh, presented any kind of technology beyond the range of modern scientific knowledge. So, none of the scientific technology they found was anything outside of our realm that we, we were able to do. And they found no evidence of extraterrestrial vehicles. So none of that was ever found in their investigations either. Um, now that it is declassified, it's been permanently transferred to the Modern Military Branch in the National Archives and Records Services, and it's available for the public to view and analyze. And when I say... That I want to go pour through this mm-hmm. and look at every word written in it. I cannot say that with enough feeling, I and think I think we need to
2: super interesting. We need
1: to go to Washington D.C. We need to make a road trip because I need to look at this. Apparently, it's on microfilm. Oh, like thirty-six rolls of it. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't care because I want to pour over every single word. Um, Why can't they
2: just upload that all to the internet?
1: That's my question, too. you
2: know, if they have it all there for everybody to look at, they should just be able to put
1: that all on the internet
2: so that anybody can look at it from anywhere. Well, i happen to travel to D.C.
1: If it's declassified now, why can't they just put it out there for me to just, in the comfort of my living room, Mm -hmm. pull that up and pour over it? Because, you know, there's other people like me out there. Yes. At least I like to think that there are. Mm -hmm. So, I would love to do that. So, yes, if you can hear me out there, please upload this to the internet so that i can pour over and savor every word because i would love to look through this okay so as i said this project was terminated december 17th 1969 um something interesting the air force does not investigate ufo sightings anymore really they do not um one reason is declining budgets it's just not in their budget anymore Hmm. another reason it's just they don't think it's necessary And so there's probably not going to be projects like this anymore. The Project Blue Book. Mm -hmm. Um, Another interesting fact I found out: in 1977, President Carter asked NASA to look into performing UFO investigations. Mm -hmm. And NASA's like, "Nah, we don't need to. There's no need for it." (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now. What are we going to do if we find anything? Like what? Tell them to stop? Like what?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So. and, of course, you know, the Air Force apparently agreed with NASA and said, no, there's not a need for it. So, they're like, if a need arises, we'll put something together, but there's not mm-hmm. a
2: need.
1: <sighs> I want to believe my government. I really do. And this is another thing where we're on. <laughs> on I really want to believe them, but would they really tell us? Would uh, they really tell us? Well...
2: That kind of leads me into something that kind of ties into what you're talking Mm -hmm. about. So, and I I hate that I was not able to get my hands on this book in advance, but quick little rundown. There is a Port Orange UFO investigator named Frank Fresno Jr. Fresno Jr. I'm sorry. probably butchered his name. And he spent 21 years researching this case and he considers himself to be a professional UFOologist, and he has written a book called The Braxton County Monster uh, Revised Edition, the cover up of the Flatwoods Monster Revealed and apparently you can buy this book at the Flatwoods Monster Museum so this book is, it's hefty, it's like a 317 page book and so he goes into his theory that the Flatwoods monster was real. It was extraterrestrial in nature and that it's part of a huge government cover-up. And he says that on that date, September 12, 1952, that there were 21 sustained hours of UFO sightings in 102 locations over nine eastern states and that there were up to 25 alien craft identified during this Siege of UFO sightings. And so, um, you know, I got to thinking as I was reading about this, 1952 is not all that long ago, and these people probably were still alive, you know, at this time. Mm -hmm. Um, So apparently, the mother, Kathleen, has passed on now, but before she passed on, he interviewed her for this book that he wrote, and he got her firsthand. Um, experience, which I guess was twisted a little bit by the media and by the stories that were told. And he also interviewed Ed and Freddie, who my understanding are still alive today. So it would be super interesting to hear what they have to say about it being the the people who were directly involved in this. But in his theory, and what I could glean from the website, he thinks that this was a huge cover-up. He claims that there was um, direct interaction between the U.S. Air Force and these crafts. He talks about uh, airmen who lost their lives or mysteriously disappeared on this day, and it's all been very hush-hush cover-up. We're not going to tell you about it, and I just thought that was really super interesting, that he has spent 21 years piecing all the pieces of this puzzle together and then tied it up in a bow for us there in his
1: book. I love a good conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. And I'm not apt to believe everything that I'm told. So I kind of, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in this. I would like to read more on this. I definitely want to get this book and read it. We'll, mm-hmm.
0: we'll road trip and go get it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. I like this. So according to Project Blue Book... The official explanation for the Flatwoods monster was there was a bright meteor and delusion. So there was a bright meteor that landed or went through the sky. And that led to... That was coupled with the delusion of the witnesses. So Mm -hmm. it led to their delusion. That was their... Which is, you know, not a very exciting... um, It is not...
2: Well, and one of uh, Frank's theories about that is if there really truly were a meteor that night, why is the only place it is ever mentioned in Project Blue Book? Yes. Um, It's not mentioned in any weather phenomena, you know, any record keeping from back at that time. That's a good point. The only place this meteor is mentioned is Project Blue Book. Mm -hmm. So that seems a little suspicious to me.
1: That is suspicious. Um, Okay, so you know me. Started looking up meteors <laughs> because, you know, I can't just let it go. So, one of the things that they had in common was a fireball, fire, bright light, um, and smells. Mm-hmm. And one of the common smells that I kept seeing was sulfur. hmm Well, apparently what I found in my research is when a meteor lands or the meteor itself can smell like sulfur. Mm-hmm. Okay, so check that off. We can, we can have that sulfuric smell. Okay. Another thing is the fireball. So, apparently the, the fire is the air. As the meteor is traveling through the air, mm-hmm. it lets off that glow because it's not the rock that's burning. It's the air as the rock is going through. Oh. Yeah, it's science, I know. So, I didn't know that at all. So when the rock lands, the rock actually isn't hot to the touch. I know. Interesting. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of shocked here. I know. So to me, it doesn't sound like a meteor landing would cause the burning the fire, because the the fire happens when it's in the air, and it's the air, mm-hmm. it's not the rock. So when the rock lands, it'll cause a crater. Yeah. But it's For not. The impact. Yes. Hmm. But it's not. Fire, That kind of thing. So that I can't explain. hmm Okay. A meteor can break up into smaller pieces. hmm Can a meteor... So how there were three incidents. Right. Close to each other. hmm Two of them were like one day after the other. Yeah. One, I think, I can't remember the date of the one from heater.
2: It was a couple of weeks before, yeah. I
1: think. So that I can't really... Even mm-hmm. if that meteor broke up.
2: Yeah, I can't see it hanging around the atmosphere for that long. It would
1: have to be right there, right beside of each other. But we have the sulfuric smell, the fireballs, I can't explain that. But then we have the entity itself. Mm -hmm. How do we explain that? Well, (laughs) I,
0: I... (laughs) I, I think it's an owl. (laughs)
1: <laughs> OK, I'm glad. I, I
0: really like based on the pictures and the way it looks and how it reacted if, for anybody that's only lived in a city. If you get out with some of these country owls, which is a specific type, uh, you hit you hit it with a flashlight. It's going to react just like the description.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm glad you that's... brought that up, voice in the wall, because one of the theories is they came across an owl mm-hmm. as they were out there searching. So what did I do? I looked up owls, and what owls are common to West Virginia. We're learning a lot about birds. Probably... So, so
0: inclusive.
1: Again, I ask, are we a science podcast or a paranormal podcast? So, I looked up owls, and what which owls are, you know, native to West Virginia. Mm-hmm. What Which owls could they have come across? So, there are two types they most likely come across. They have the common barn owl,
2: mm-hmm.
1: or they have, okay... The great horned owl. hmm Okay. The barned owl, pr- or barn owl, would have been up to about a foot tall. Mm-hmm. The horned owl can get up to about two feet tall and mm-hmm. has a 44-inch wingspan. Okay. Okay. So, we're talking a little bigger. Mm-hmm. It's not ten feet, though.
2: But if it's perched in a tree...
1: Okay.
2: If it's perched in a tree... It could be up 10 foot off the ground. Maybe? Okay,
1: and look like it's hovering.
2: Possibly.
1: Okay, something I didn't know about owls. If an owl feels threatened, it will hiss.
2: Oh, I didn't know that either.
1: And one of the things they said was the monster hissed at them. Mm-hmm. And that's when they got scared and turned and, and ran. ran off, yeah. It hissed and then started, like, coming toward them. Mm-hmm. Like, hovering toward them. Yeah. Well, if it's an owl... And it's mm-hmm. flying or you know, I don't know if owls can hover. I don't I guess I should have looked that up. I'm sure they
2: can <laughs> fly. Maybe if it glided glotted down out of the tree and they it was Hmm.
1: But if this is a an owl, maybe it's protecting its babies or something. Possibly. Um or it feels threatened and it hisses. I mean if somebody
2: shined a light in my face in the middle of the night. I'm gonna I'm hiss. A little threatened. I'm gonna
1: hiss. So then okay. I'm looking at the horned owl, mm-hmm. and it does its face does kind of have that kind of spadeish look to it. Hmm. And then we talk about claws. Mm-hmm. Well, what does a owl's I don't know feet look like? Yeah. So then we kind of put that together. Hmm. And then owls have something in their eyes that, when a light is shined on them, they have that glowing they effect. Yeah, they reflect. They reflect the light, and it gives it that glowing appearance. Yeah. So could this be an owl?
2: Well, that makes sense, but do you think two people saw an owl two days in a row?
1: That, too, yes. And why did his car not start? Yeah. Because you hear a lot about when aliens are around Uh or extraterrestrial. Electronics don't work. Yes, electronics don't work. Hmm. So, why would his car not start?
0: That's more challenging. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's a little more difficult.
1: That one's a little harder to explain. Mm-hmm. And then they smell that sulfuric smell. So
2: Yeah. Because, I mean, I could kind of see if, you know, a meteor shower just happened to happen at the same time and they see this owl, but, like, a whole day later and they're having another one and another. I mean, it just seems very coincidental right. to me.
1: I agree. I agree. Okay. And so then one of the things that was brought up was the May family and Mr. Lemon, when they sat down to do the drawings and I'm sure you'll put that drawing up on our mm-hmm. website so that our listeners can see it when they sat down to do their drawings they all came up with the same kind of drawing
0: mhm
1: so it a little experiment mhm and my youngest son who knows nothing about this has never heard about this i gave him a description mhm the same description that was given in the case mhm And I said, draw what comes to mind Mm -hmm. when I give you this description. Yeah. So he sat down, and I gave him the description, had to go through it a couple times. Once I went through that description, his drawing was pretty spot on. It looked like something a kindergartner would do. (laughs) He has no drawing talent. (laughs) But as far as the outline, as Mm -hmm. far as the looks, I mean, it looks pretty spot on for what they drew. Mm -hmm. So then the question becomes did they all see the same thing or did one of them see it and use a description and tell the others Mm -hmm. or did one make up something and say this is what we're going to say we saw and then Mm -hmm. they all just kind of drew from that i don't know it's interesting
2: that's why i think it would be really interesting to maybe talk with ed and freddie now because you know it's been so much time afterwards and to see if they're still sticking to that same kind of
1: story i would love to talk with them and my christmas wish is anyone who has worked on the project blue book Mm -hmm. now that it's declassified and they can talk about it anyone who had anything to do with project blue book or knows anyone who worked with project blue book i would love to sit down and talk with you so if you would want to make a lady's wish come true (laughs) Please talk with me about Project Blue Book. Fill her wildest dreams. Oh, <laughs> and one more thing, I found when I was in that rabbit hole.
2: Uh huh.
1: So apparently, there's a television series called Project Blue Book. Really? It's based on this whole project. Huh. Um. So apparently, there was a scientist who was invited to work with the Air Force uh-huh. to investigate these cases, and this series is based on. That scientist and his exploration with the Air Force to investigate these um, incidences. Huh. Season one, episode two is the Flatwoods Monster.
2: Interesting. Now yeah. I'm gonna have to find out where this is streaming. So yeah. I have to go check it out. Well, here's
1: the thing: episode one you can watch for free on the History Channel. After that, you gotta pay. And you know me, I'm not about that life. So we're going to find a place. <laughs> we're gonna find it out there.
2: It's gotta be on Discovery Plus.
1: I think we'll find that. Mm-hmm. If you know where we can find this, let us know.
2: <laughs> interesting. Well, uh, a, a comment that I thought was interesting as I was reading, and it was talking to somebody um, who, because they make these ceramic figures and things of, and Voice uh, of the Wall happens to have one. Oh, so we will right share here, a picture of that. We're right sitting here looking studio. at the Flatwoods Monster Ride as we yes. speak. Um, we'll share a picture of that on our Instagram. So. As you can imagine, this is kind of a an economic boom for this little town because people like to travel there. They come to the museum and one of the the people involved was asked if he believed in the Flatwoods Monster and he was like well I don't believe in the Easter Bunny I don't believe in Santa Claus but I believe in making money and you know and I thought that was kind of interesting and kind of in that vein I don't know um, you know local people have probably heard of Blinko Glass which is a family-owned artisanal glass making company out of I believe Milton West Virginia And like many companies, they struggled during the pandemic. You know, we had all this stuff going on, places were closed down, people weren't getting out and shopping. And so they were trying to find a way to remain afloat in the hard economic times that we've been dealing with. So they ended up partnering with an artist named Liz Pavlovic, And with her help, they created a Flatwoods Monster Decanter. And it has the green body, and then the head or the top piece that comes off is the the red, like you see in in the depictions of the monster. And so they created this. It was only sold for two weeks between, uh, I think, October and November of 2020, and they, it was originally meant to be a limited edition run. They had like 100 planned. They ended up selling over 800 of these pieces. It sold like wildfire. And they have decided now to start a whole series of these. And basically, it saved their company from going under during the pandemic. Um, I believe they said, you know, because this was limited edition, you can no longer get it. They will not make it anymore. Um, I think one recently sold on eBay for over $800. Wow. So lots of money there. Uh, But they are planning on doing um, a Bigfoot one and a Mothman one, which is another local... that we will probably talk about at some point soon on the podcast, and I
1: plan on getting both of those for the record.
2: Yeah, <laughs> You're, you might just be out of luck. We're gonna get if you want to get hold of one of the
1: first, yeah. Ones.
2: But yeah, I thought that was that was kind of interesting that you know this this local legend was able to help this local family owned company kind of ride out the uh, the state of economics today.
1: Yes, that is awesome.
0: Uh, for any listener that's in that's within driving distance of Braxton County, I highly recommend you go check it out. Uh, the museum uh, welcome center is really cool. There are also these giant, uh, they call them chairs, but they're more than a chair, but they're painted up like the Braxton County Monster, and I think there's maybe six of them in the county, and they're they're great for photo ops, so feel free to go check those out. It's really cool.
1: Feel a road trip coming in, yep. in the near future.
2: Put it on my list. You can contact us on Facebook and Instagram at haunted haulers. You can also send us an email at haulers at gmail.com, and we also have a webpage, ww.hauntedhaulers.com.
1: Until next time, listeners, beware of things lurking in the shadows.